Strange and the Glow of Love and uh, Mandy by Barry Manilow for Mandy on the occasion of her 61st birthday uh, with lots of love from Caroline. Uh, the Full English Breakfast Show, every swear word in the English language has been ranked in order of offensiveness, Sarah. In 2020, the UK's communications regulator Ofcom interviewed more than 200 people across the UK on how offensive they find an array of rude and offensive words and insults. People asked their opinion on 150 words in total. They included general swear words, words links to race and ethnicity, gender and sexuality, body parts and health conditions, religious insults and sexual references, as well as certain hand gestures. You're good at that. <laughs> people, <laughs> people asked their opinion on 150 words in total. They included general swear words, etc., uh, etc. Et uh, so, well, I can just tell you that... Uh, I the, want to know how you're going to get around this. In the strongest category, <laughs> were, uh, the words starting with C and uh, the other words starting with F. <laughs> uh, I think I can... Well, I'm not going to... I don't know. The medium category is just a bit too too far to broadcast, but... Do any of these words offend you? Ass. Bloody. Well, it depends how it's being said. No. Cow. <laughs> if you said you're an old cow, yes. Crap. Yeah, no, I don't like that. Damn. That's that's all right. Damn. <laughs> Ginger. Yes. Well, you find that offensive? Yes. Git. <laughs> no, but it's a good one. <laughs> I didn't even know that was a swear word. Uh, well, no. God. <laughs> no. Goddamn. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Superstar. Minger. You can't say that. Apparently, it's only a mild, a mild, oh, is that a mild a, mildly one now? offensive oh, term. Well, or sod off. <laughs> uh, that's as, as um, far as I'm prepared to go. I'm afraid. Well, I always thought the ones. What was it when I said? Was it a twerp? Uh, no, no, no. Something else beginning with T, which is highly offensive. Yes. Is that on the list? It's actually not on the list, Ah, no. you see, because I didn't really know what that was. Yeah, well... <laughs> and a lot of people use it, don't they? They do, mm. yes. But, uh, no, that's that apparently is uh, in the highly offensive category, although it's not on this list. Um, Maybe people don't say it anymore. Anyway, uh, don't yeah, tempt no, me to, no, say, no, no. <laughs> to say any more. Uh, right, so sad news, Jeff's dog's died. Yes, oh. Aero, sadly. Poor old Aero. Going to be buried in airs, a wonderful dog. Brought many years of happiness to Jeff and his friends and family. The Press Review is brought to you by BMW Cote d'Azur. In its editorial today, the Eye newspaper says that Sue Gray's report into the alleged gatherings in Downing Street during COVID lockdown was pretty damning of the culture in Boris Johnson's number 10. A failures of leadership was the telling line where the Cabinet's office ethics chief, ethics chief uh, went as close as she felt able to directly criticising the Prime Minister as well as senior civil servants. But, says the paper, the fact that her hands were tied did not detract from her using her consummate Whitehall skill, how to set out a case that makes it obvious that gross errors of judgment had occurred without having to say so directly. Similarly, Gray managed to reveal for the first time that the police are investigating a party in Johnson's own flat, the private bus of the building he shares with his wife Carrie. Now, this matters because when the Prime Minister was asked directly in Parliament whether there was a party in Number 10 on the 13th of November, he replied, no, but I'm sure that whatever happened... The guidance was followed and the rules were followed at all times. And underneath the official ease, it was clear she felt the string of passes were beyond the pale. Conduct that was too difficult to justify, behaviour that was not appropriate, with too little thoughts given to what was happening across the country. 
In this morning's Figaro, French journalist Orphelie Meunier has been given police protection after fronting a documentary about the impact of radical Islam on a poor town in the north of France. The 34-year-old journalist had received death threats uh, following the airing of the documentary that looked at the influence of hardline Islamic views in the town of Roubaix. The journalist found a restaurant where women were given cubicles to eat away from men and a toy shop selling faceless dolls to comply with strict interpretations of Islam, which forbid depicting facial features. And the Washington Times says Secretary of State Anthony Blinken hopes to ease soaring bilateral tensions with Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov when the two speak by phone today, less than 24 hours after the United States and Russian diplomats traded charges of provocation and aggression at a United Nations Security Council meeting. The Press Review, brought to you by BMW, Mies Premium Motors, Bayern Avenue Can, BMW Store Monaco and JPV Fréjus. Boost your business with the electrified range by BMW. Find all the BMW business drive offers at your car dealer. It's the Terrific Tuesday podcast. It's that pop, pop, <laughs> pop quiz. So I'm over the place this morning. Don't worry. Okay. There will be a podcast of Terrific Tuesday's full English <laughs> breakfast show. There will be. Question number one, one of your favourites. It's his birthday today. He was born on this day in 1994, this English-Irish pop star from the boy band One Direction. Harry Styles. Yes. Can you one tell of me my favourites. Can you say what his middle name is? You get uh, an extra point. Um, Wellington. <laughs> Edward. Oh. <laughs> Question number two. On this day in 1980, a blondie released which song, which was the main theme song in the 1980 film American Gigolo? You know, I've never seen that film. Have you not? That's yeah. like Mamma Mia. There are so many films you've got to see. Is it Union City Blue? No. no that's the bit like, um, Hanging on the Telephone? No. Um, Atomic? No. Tide is High? Oh, Denis, oh, Denis. God, you've I don't know. said them all, haven't you? One more. Um, no, go on. Call Me. Call Me. Yes. And finally, on this day in 1975, who had his second US number one with laughter in the rain? Neil Sedaka. He certainly did. His father was a taxi... I like it too. Yeah. That's a good job too then. His father was a taxi driver. Was he? Yeah, and did you know that Blondie was originally called the Angel and the Snake? No, I didn't. There you go, you do now. Yeah. It's one of my guilty pleasures, this song. Well, it used to be. Now I don't care what anyone thinks. Riviera Radio. Business. Good morning. Good morning. How are we today? Very well, thank you. Working hard? Always working hard, no problems there. Lots going on in markets, lots of companies reporting during the course of this week. Some important economic data being released, expectations around what's happening in terms of policy normalisation. There's Plenty to keep me going in these in these darker days of winter. Actually, it's getting a bit lighter. Yes, so even is. that is improving as I well. I noticed mm. yesterday it was still light at six o'clock our time, so that was good. Oh, very but, nice. So, did you mm. manage to sort of take a couple of hours off to watch the afternoon matinee in Parliament yesterday? Uh, not really, but I, th- I thought of you enjoying <laughs> all the theatrics of, a, of another dramatic day in, in Parliament. Um, uh, you could argue in some ways a bit of an anti-climax. I mean, a lot was left out of the report, as we know, but we did hear there's 12 uh, gatherings being investigated by the police. The, the general conclusion, I suppose, were 
discussions around failure of leadership, of judgment, of upholding standards, which probably could be expected. I mean, the, the next round will be the police probe, I suppose. Boris Johnson's expected, got a bit of a rough ride in Parliament, and some of those Conservative heavyweights uh, uh, laying into him a little bit yesterday. But apparently there was a meeting of MPs that took place last night. PM told them that he was changing the structure of uh, of the office in Downing Street understood the problems there and perhaps winning some support. So still some way to go before we, we get an idea exactly uh, how this one will play out. Well, it just depends if there are 54 Conservative MPs who are, have written or will write to the uh, chairman of the uh, back, Backbench 1922 Committee. You know, my feeling is there probably are 54 and that the lengthy police inquiry uh, will prompt them to actually get the names in rather than waste it out because it could be weeks or even months before that inquiry inquiry comes to light and the big question is did he deliberately mislead parliament on the 13th of december when he said that uh, all rules were followed correctly and there were no parties etc but now we hear the police are actually investigating a party in the downing street flat on the 13th of december uh which he was at <laughs> yeah well as we'll see we'll wait for the police to make their investigations and come to a conclusion Generally, if you listen to PR experts, the rest of it, the one thing they tell you, time is your friend when it comes to a scandal. The longer you survive, clearly the better your chances. And eventually people get bored, they get fed up with it. Are we approaching that? I don't know, but time is definitely your friend. I'm a believer in that. Well, as we mentioned before, there's this drip, drip, drip of information coming through from somebody. Some of, it, some of it's from Dominic Cummings, uh, some from an unknown Whitehall whistleblower. But uh, if that isn't enough to push them over the edge, maybe there'll be more revelations coming out in the, uh, the next few days. But the political commentators in the UK seem to think that he's in a pretty tricky spot. I mean, Robert Peston, Laura Kunzberg, they're all saying Beth Rigby, you know, he's not out of this by a country mile yet. Oh, no, I think you could probably agree that he's clearly not yeah, found his passageway through it yet, but again, equally hasn't hasn't fallen yet. So, uh, yes, we uh, we wait to see the inquiry. Right, well, that was safe <laughs> to go To coin a phrase that was it? used yeah. a lot yesterday. Yeah. Yes. All right, so, well, January's over. Wall Street uh, had its second worst uh, start to a year, well, the worst year since 2009, in fact. Well, I think most participants will be pleased to see uh, to say goodbye at least to uh, January. But we did see a strong finish to uh, to the end of the trading month, which helped to cut some of those losses. European stocks rose yesterday. Stock six hundred was up seven tenths one percent. Technology shares leading the advance. Italy's MIB outperformed on confirmation that Mario Draghi would remain as prime minister. However. The rise on the final day of trading of the month only trimmed those losses. As I said the benchmark in Europe was still down 3.9% over the month. It's worth monthly drops since October 2020. As investors worry around rising inflation, surging energy prices, and ongoing supply disruptions. Uh, on Wall Street, similar type picture. Stocks rose actually for a second day. The S&P 500 is up 1.9% yesterday, but was down 5.3% in January. Biggest monthly decline since March 2020. The Nasdaq actually rebounded quite impressively over the course of the past couple of trading sessions. I think it's up 6.6%. 6 
Still ended January down 8.5%. Of course, it's not just stocks where you've been seeing that volatility. We've also seen it in commodity markets. Oil registered its biggest January gain at least 30 years, posting a 17% increase over the course of the month. Playing catch-up in Europe once again this morning, a theme that we've seen playing out over the course of the past month. We're currently calling the FTSE up 49 points. Stacks over in Frankfurt up 153 points. Capcom in Paris up 65 points. Right, so Eurozone uh, activity uh, falling sharply in the fourth quarter, Hank. Yeah, slowing down quite dramatically, although not contracting as a whole. The euro area recovery slowed to a near standstill in the fourth quarter as the pandemic restrictions weighed on activity. Soaring energy costs have been talking about global supply chain disruptions been impacting industrial production and, of course, domestic consumption. Growth expanded by 0.3% in the final quarter of the year, slightly below the 0.4 forecast and substantially, of course, beneath the 2.3% that was recorded in the third quarter. The fourth quarter saw a resurgence of COVID cases that hit different areas at different paces, but Germany certainly been hit hard. Germany's economy contracted by 0.7% at the end of last year. But if you look at France, if you look at Spain, if you look at Italy, they all still expanded. COVID restrictions are expected to ease, but I think will still continue to weigh a little bit in terms of activity in the first quarter, but then quickly unwind as consumers return to shopping and to travelling and to, to going out again. And that should boost activity through the course of this year. Higher energy prices, on the other hand, may have a longer lasting impact on Europe's growth profile. For the full year, the Eurozone growth still was an impressive 4.6%. We have 4% penciled in for 2022. And the results out from UBS. Yeah, UBS said it would increase its share buyback program and upgrade its key profit and efficiency targets this after the bank was hit by a $740 million fourth quarter charge related to the French tax case. The Swiss bank reported better than expected fourth quarter earnings. Net income came in at $1.35 billion. That was versus the estimate of $915 million. Investment banking asset management looks to have outperformed. They're targeting 10 to 15% pre-tax profit growth in its wealth management division. Buyback's a pretty impressive number here. Said they'll buy back as much as $5 billion of shares during the course of this year. Lots of focus on this uh, French tax case. A French appeals court ordered the bank in December to pay 1.8 billion euros in penalties after upholding the 2019 finding that the bank illegally laundered funds by providing customers with services to hide assets from tax authorities. So certainly a dark mark in terms of over the company. They're trying to move on from that and offering some uh, more optimistic forecasts around clients' activity and their profit growth as we look through the course of 2022 and beyond. How's Brexit going then? It's, uh, it's uh, disruptive, as you'd probably expect. So continuing to see the impact of Brexit in terms of those supply chains, uh, products on the shelves, shortage of labour continues, I think, to be uh, uh, the hangover that we would probably expected from Brexit and uh, continue to see that in terms of the UK economy and uh, proving to be a headwind, one would suspect, over the course of the next couple of years. So no plans for a little day trip to Dover anytime soon then? Uh, I will be probably going to Dover to uh, to uh, go to Switzerland for half term, but uh, I don't know if that's that will be in infringed upon because of Brexit. Well, I mean, you know, take a tent if you are going because you might have to camp out on the road overnight. 
Yeah, I saw they're creating a big <laughs> lorry park or something like that, aren't they, to try and keep people there. So that extra friction at the borders is, I say, impacting the supply chain quite significantly for many UK companies. Go to Portsmouth, Portsmouth to Law. That's a nice little trip, you know. You can have a meal on board and a couple of drinks and, you know... Yeah, isn't that taking me out of my way if I'm driving to Switzerland? Well, it'd probably like be quicker than go, trying to go through Dover at the moment, I would think. <laughs> you might be right. <laughs> and actually, from uh, your neck of the woods, it's closer to get to Portsmouth than it is to Dover, I think. No, probably. It's not that far, Portsmouth, actually. An hour, hour yeah, and a half Straight down the, the old A3, hmm. you know. Hmm. Right, foreign exchanges, please. <laughs> Pound against dollar coming in at 134. Euro dollar coming in at 112. You get one euro and 19 and a half cents for your British pound this morning. Thank you very much. Have a good day, sir. You too. Talk to you tomorrow. Hank Potts and Barclays. On FM and DAB Plus across the Côte d'Azur, on your phone and worldwide online. This is Riviera Radio with the latest local news for the south of France. Sarah Lyce says the top stories across the Riviera. Thousands of homes have been left without electricity in the VAR region following the high winds which hit the region on Monday. The Energy Board reported in the afternoon that some 4,200 customers were without electricity as they carried out interventions in particularly difficult conditions due to the weather with gusts of more than 100 kilometres an hour. By 9pm on Monday evening, 1,000 homes were still without electricity as agents continued to intervene into the night. As with every first of the month in France, changes are to come into force from today, February the 1st. They will include an increase on the interest rate of the Livre A from 0.5% to 1%. And in addition, the rate of the popular saving account, the LEP, will increase from 1% to 2.2%. There will also be a rise in electricity bills, originally expected to rise by 35% due to soaring market prices. It will be capped at 4% for most consumers, thanks to the tariff shield decided by the French government. As reported on Monday, pay tolls on French motorways are to increase from today from between 1.89% to 2.19%. That's depending on the network. There will also be a rise in the price of tobacco, although it will not concern the best-selling brands. From today, parents of newborns in France will receive a baby box distributed at maternity wards. These educational boxes are intended for young parents from working-class neighbourhoods. There will also be an inflation premium for pensioners to cope with energy prices. The tax-free bonus of €100 was announced by the government and will be paid to pensioners who receive less than €2,000 net a month. Uh, finally, in the changes concerning measures in place due to the health crisis, a teleworking and wearing a mask outdoors in France is no longer mandatory from tomorrow, the 2nd of February. Uh, but given the number of Covid cases, a teleworking is still highly recommended. In addition, self-tests for Covid will continue to be sold in supermarkets until February the 15th instead of January the 31st, as initially decided. Meanwhile, in Monaco, the government has announced the extension of remote working for all jobs that allow it until March the 4th. On Monday, 51 new cases of COVID were identified uh, in the principality, bringing the total number of residents affected to 8,359. 86 people are currently in hospital and 263 are being followed by the Home Monitoring Centre. 
In other news this morning, a San Rafael train station in the VAR finally reopened on Monday afternoon after being closed due to a suspect package. There was chaos for passengers unable to access the station as it closed its doors at 1.30pm on Monday. Following the incident, the station wasn't reopened until 430 the president of the PACA region, Renaud Muslier, has expressed his wish to ban smoking in high schools in the region. Based on the model of a measure implemented in New Zealand, Muslier would like to see a similar ban which would make smoking forbidden to all people born after 2008. The president of the region added that several mayors are ready to implement a ban in high schools, particularly in Draguignan in the VAR and Teol-Samer in the Alp-Maritime. Online registration is now open for the 10th edition of the Pink Ribbon Walk here in the Principality on February the 13th. Uh, the 5-kilometre walk is a fun way uh, to raise uh, money for awareness on breast cancer. There is a €30 Euro registration fee with all proceeds going to support breast cancer awareness. Uh, this year's event is in partnership with SBM Offshore and the Monegasque Athletics Federation. The walk starts at 10am at the Port Hercule. With more than 210 hours of sunshine, Nice has beaten its own record of a number of hours of sunshine, which dates back to 2005. January 2022 has proved to be a very sunny month, marked by just one day of rain. So much sunshine breaking the record, which was recorded back in January 2005. Meanwhile, the city of Nice has come first in a ranking of the best cities in the Alp-Maritime region for quality of life. The capital of the Riviera is ranked 7th nationally and comes ahead of Cannes 2nd and Antibes 3rd. Meanwhile, it's the village of Théol-sur-Mer which takes the lead for villages in the Alp-Maritime, ahead of Falicon 2nd and Saint-Jean-Cap-Ferrat 3rd. Thanks to a private donor, a project for several years from the Aeronauts Club of Monaco of a hot air balloon in the Monaco colours gracing the skies of the Côte d'Azur looks set to soon see the light of day. Local media has reported that the balloon is now being designed in Spain and that the ecological balloon is planned to be delivered uh, this summer. An individual has made a generous donation to a small town in the VAR. It was during the last local council of La Motte uh, that local officials voted unanimously to accept a donation of €50,000. The individual wishes to remain anonymous. Finally, unable to score a goal in 180 minutes, Paris Saint-Germain have enabled OGC Nice to pursue their dream in the French Cup after a penalty shootout 6-5 on Monday night at the Parc des Princes. Nice will now play the Olympique de Marseille at the Alliance Riviera Stadium in the quarter-final. Riviera Radio, sports news. Oh dear, lock up your daughters then. What? Nice Why? against nice Marseille. Against Marseille. Yeah. Mm. Uh, do we know when and if the mask wearing outside in Monaco is going to be stopped as well, or it's just France tomorrow? It's is just it? France tomorrow for the time being. We don't know when it's going to be lifted in Monaco. Not yet. Okay. Uh, football 12 transfers on deadline day have taken spending by English Premier League clubs to the second highest total in the history of the competition. Here's more from BBC Sports. BBC Premier League update from the home of Premier League football. Hello, I'm Andy Bowler, the BBC Sports Centre. On the final day of the winter transfer window, there's been plenty of movement across the league. Tottenham Hotspur have been busy. Out goes record signing Tanguy Dembele, who returns to his former club Lyon in France. Deli Alley is Everton bound. 
Everton have confirmed Frank Lampard as their new manager and have signed midfielder Donny van der Beek from Manchester United. They're just four points above the relegation zone. And former player Alan Stubbs has been outlining the first thing that Lampard has to improve. It's right in front of him and it's keeping Everton in the Premier League. First and foremost, I think he's going to have to try and galvanise the squad, put his, put his arm around them, really you know, get, get, get a togetherness there amongst them and, and have, a, have, a, have a real good good spirit going into the into the you know the second half of the season because it's a, it's a huge second half of the season for Everton there's no doubt about that Tottenham have confirmed the signing of the midfielder Rodrigo Bentenka and his Juventus teammate Dejan Kulusevski the Sweden winger moves on an 18 month loan deal Arsenal have agreed a deal for Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang to move to the Spanish giants Barcelona on a free transfer Premier League pace setters Manchester City have signed forward Julian Alvarez from River Plate for $19 million, but he will remain for the time being at the Argentine champions on loan. And news of a welcome return to the Premier League for Christian Eriksen. He suffered a cardiac arrest playing for Denmark at the Euros. Afterwards, he was fitted with a pacemaker, but that meant that he couldn't continue to play for Inter Milan. Such devices are prohibited in Serie A. But Eriksen has joined Brentford on a six-month deal. Hi, everyone. It's Christian Eriksen. I'm happy to announce that I've signed for Brentford Football Club and I can't wait to get started and hopefully I'll, uh, I'll see you all very soon. And for more football news on the BBC, go to bbc.com slash football. BBC Premier League update from the home of Premier League football. Hope goes well for Christian Eriksen. Yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah, um, he could be a great signing for Brentford if he picks his form up and uh, starts uh, playing like he used to. Uh, Formula One, COVID vaccinations will be required for all personnel this year. The decision means that nobody will be able to work in the paddock without being fully vaccinated. The policy applies to all personnel working in the sports, including drivers, teams, media, hospitality workers and any guests who attend races. It's understood that all of the drivers have already been fully vaccinated. And in rugby union, Jamie Batty has withdrawn from Scotland's Six Nations squad ahead of the opener against England on Saturday through injury. The Glasgow loose head is replaced by Alan Dell of London Irish, while Josh Bayliss is out of contention after coming off with concussion early during Bath's recent Champions Cup defeat by Leinster. Here's the marine weather forecast for coastal areas up to 20 miles offshore the Almaraz in the VAR. Uh, the general situation is high pressure, 1,020 to 1,025 millibars over the western Mediterranean and a depression, 997 millibars over southern Italy. Winter variable, force 2 to 4, the sea is slight, visibility is good. Barometric pressure at saint jean cap 1,005 millibars. And the outlook for Wednesday, clear skies, force 2 to 4, variable winds, slight seas and good visibility. For North Corsica, winds are northerly, force 4 to 6, the sea is moderate. Visibility is good. Barometric pressure at Cap Course, 1,004 millibars. And the outlook for Wednesday. Clear skies for 6 to 7 southwesterly winds, moderate to rough seas, and good visibility. Riviera Radio. Weather. It was very windy in the VAR yesterday in parts, wasn't it? It was, yes. But up here, hardly a breath no, of wind. No. Very odd, because uh, normally in JLP we get the tail end of the Mistral when it blows across the VAR, but uh, it was really, really sort of uh, light winds yesterday. Uh, today, clear skies, moderate northwesterly winds, especially in the VAR. Temperatures 14 to 15 degrees, overnight lows 4 to 8 degrees with clear skies, Wednesday and Thursday, mainly fine. Windy in the VAR again tomorrow, highs of 17 to 19 degrees tomorrow, 17 to 19 on the 2nd of February. 
at 12 to 14 degrees on Thursday. Finally... In the UK, drivers who catcall passers-by are being targeted by an undercover police operation. Women officers wearing plain clothes have been walking in areas of a city where students have complained, and drivers who shout things from their vehicles risk being pulled over and handed a fixed penalty, or if taken to court, fined a thousand pounds. But yep. I mean, are they uh, how are the women police officers dressing? Are they wearing mini skirts well, and boot shoes? <laughs> <laughs> You're no. still not allowed to do it. Well, no, of course doesn't not. give no. you an excuse. No. Although, although what? <laughs> no, no, no. Come on! Well, when you get to an age and nobody takes any notice of you, I mean, it's like it's like the it's like I mean, <laughs> I'm going to get myself into trouble here, aren't you? There's a fine line between being given a compliment and being harassed. Yes. And I think it's a bit of a shame if you don't get compliments anymore because it's seen as harassment. That's all I'm saying. Because you do get to an age where nobody even looks at you and, and, well, I'm being honest, I miss that. I think you can just be nice. Yes. You can just let an attractive lady go in front of you in the supermarket. Yeah, but you can't say anything, can you? No. You could say you, you look... What's that that comedy program where they reversed the roles and had all the women catcalling the blokes? Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I, why not? No, I agree with that. And as I say, it, it should not be harassment. But I do think, as a woman, and you get older and you don't get noticed, I think, I think, if I think anybody would be lying if they said they didn't miss that. But what's being noticed? Well, it doesn't apply to you, does it? <laughs> what? I just get noticed because I do stupid things.